podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Can you do me a couple of ones in a change for you? Fag machine takes once, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Hey, whoa, 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 don't do that. No point doing that. Give him the tenner back, right? You give him the fiver and the fifty, right? Give him that back. So you take that and you just give him the free ones. Right? Give him the free ones, that's it. Now you give him 30, right? You give him the 10 bob back, and you owe him, if I'm right, 22 pence. <laughs> that's wrong, isn't it? Back by popular demand, Simon Day and Friends Lockdown Show 2, Saturday, July the 4th, 8.30pm. Go to biletto.co.uk, search Simon Day and Friends. Tickets, only £5. Show will be shown on Facebook. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Back once again for the Renegade Master, Mark. Was that? I'm excited. I'm excited, and it's not just as I had two dinners. It's because football's coming home. Did you not Back. tell you? Did you tell you? Did you not tell your wife you'd already been fed by your mum, and then you got a double T? <laughs> no. What happened was, uh, are we doing this? Sounds like it. What happened was, uh, she she made dinner, uh, and it quite frankly, Martin, was not enough. <laughs> I treated it as a starter, and then pushed on to a second full dinner, followed by dessert, followed by shame. And now I'm doing the podcast. Well, listen, uh, not just that, we're greedy for football, aren't we? It's back. Um, yes. It's great yes. to have. We had the the top man, uh, Alan Algar, on, who is a guest from before, but we haven't had him on for a while. And he's perhaps the most um, perfect person to get on to look at what might happen over the next 10 games, being uh, the, the Mr. Betway, essentially, and understanding the odds and the, and the, the big players in the remaining games. Yeah, there was one point in the podcast where I forgot the word hat and I uh, was looking around for that in my brain for probably about three seconds. So listen out for that. But he's good, isn't he, Alan? He's very slick. He, uh, he, he, he's got, he's just got that way. You know, you know the way that some uh, gambling people have that sort of proper <laughs> pow, pow. Do you know what I mean? I, like he knows what you're talking about. It's great. I he's can talk a pro. All day. He's yeah. a pro as opposed to us. He's a professional. Listen, enjoy the pod, everyone. And uh, yeah, we'll be back for the next few weeks until the end of the season. Well, welcome back quicker than perhaps we were expecting. Uh, it's only been a few weeks since we were doing a, a run of kind of featured pods on the Whistleblowers with uh, John Bruin and Gareth Dobson uh, very kindly helping us out. Um, I'm delighted to say we're rejoined by co-host um, Mark Smith. Mark, I forgot your name there. It's been so long. I know, yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, well, I'm I am back. I introduce you to something else, but yeah, what what have you been up to, mate? Don't you worry about it. I have been uh, just locking down, staying nice and quiet, nice and safe, nice and happy. But now I'm back. One last case. Me and Martin Gritton, detectives, to the rest of the season. And well, there's not, not a damn thing the man can do about it. It's the old. It's always the older one that says, I'm getting too old for this shit, and then dies. So <laughs> I was hoping yeah. that would be your character <laughs> instead of mine. But listen, now you can if, it means, 
if it means then that you have to deal with this, then then all the better. I'd, I'd love <laughs> you to to kind of run front and share that. And um, I'm going to introduce our guest here because um, uh, yeah, do that. Well, I, yeah, a previous regular of the whistleblowers. We're always delighted to get into return, but it seems more prescient than ever now because uh, Al, you might have a better idea of what's going on than any of us, um, Mr. Alan Alger. How you doing? Good to be with you guys. Great to have you back on. So good to have um, you here, man. Have you been? Uh, how have you been keeping busy during the lockdown? Um, my job hasn't really changed. Um, people are still betting, and they they were finding different things to bet on. Um, the fact that the Bundesliga came back uh, about a month ago now, and, and racing's been back for about two weeks. Um, it, it, it just seems like that two months was wasn't that long where we didn't have much sport. I know most people felt it at the time, but as everything's eased back and people have continued to just find a way to sort of place their, their weekly wager, uh, we've been we've been as busy as ever. So it's, it's, it's just been time at home and that, that's probably been one of the most important things is just having time to do stuff at home. So um, glad to Alan, have everything did, back. And did, you, did you find any, um, did you find any sort of, uh, huge swings in markets that otherwise you hadn't really seen much of were there like bets on political things being put down well we're one of the pioneers of uh, esports betting so that was oh, huge. great um we've we've been at the, at the forefront of that at betway for about three years now and um that's obviously that obviously came to fruition uh, a couple of months ago as everything shut down and it, it managed to actually reach the, the mainstream as well. And you had uh, yeah, yeah. players playing against each other on FIFA and, and us taking bets on that. And even and the, the Grand F1 National well. went virtual this year. So um, it was it was quite an interesting time. But as I say, we, we're sort of well-placed to take advantage of that. The uh, Grand National, do you get tips for virtual races? Just, just putting that out there. The, the mad thing is, is that some people did actually write tipping columns and they <laughs> I think loads of people were just trying to send the messages saying, you do know it's just the computer algorithm. There's nothing, there's nothing, there's no form people to this whatsoever. It'd just be like throwing a dice or tossing a coin. Yeah, but people have lost their minds. People, people a bored mind leads to just crazy shit. <laughs> That's what's happened. Right. And, uh, luckily, most of them did acknowledge afterwards that they'd been a bit stupid in, in, in <laughs> tipping on a, a computer game. But there you go. Yeah, but if it's if it's a toss up between losing your mind and going on a killing spree or betting on fictional horses, I know it's one I'd prefer. Exactly, well, and the killing spree. About that is that all of the profits from the bookmakers actually went to the NHS in the end, anyway. So, oh, brilliant! Oh, that's huge. That's... Lose, then it was uh, it was a good thing. Yeah, no, that's Great. brilliant. Uh, that's very uh, very worthwhile. Uh, I, I find I just find it all quite interesting because, as you said, that you would expect the industry to slow down as, as everyone else has, but people find a way, don't they? It's, um, it's just in, in the nature of it. Um, well, let's, let's look at the, the footy. Alan, you've been, obviously as an Arsenal fan, I'm guessing, did you, you've been speaking to some guys already about, uh, from your side of things, but do you have a, do you have a good overall picture of the league, uh, kind of in odds and, and how things have shaped up during the break? Well, the really interesting thing is that, we've had to have a little look at the Bundesliga and, and see the stats from there. And they're quite alarming if uh, you're talking about home advantage. The weekend set of games, only one home team won. 
And that was actually Bayern Munich. So it was a team you'd expect to win anyway. Wow. And uh, they beat Borussia Mönchengladbach 2-1. But there were no other home wins. And that actually adds to a stat going back that away wins have increased by 33%. And home favourites losing. So it's not just... It's not just teams that you wouldn't expect to win at home playing good sides, good away sides. It's actually teams that are favourites at home. That reduced by 20%. That's huge. It's huge. So home favourites. Now, I was going to throw this back at you, Martin, and just say, you know, from from your playing days, what difference can it make? I, I just don't really get it. Because at least, at the very least, if there's no crowd, if you're the home team... You're at least used to with the surroundings, so I'm yeah. not sure what's happening. You know, you know how that's, that's a really interesting point. And then you'll know yourself. I mean, you you play, you coach, and your your kids' teams. The things that the factors that get inside people's heads, and and Mark, you'll know as well yourself. But the the most interesting things are the players that it affects. So people that have say OCD or routines or regimented. You know, they like to be at home, they like to have their home comforts, and you'll get everything down to just walking out the tunnel for the, the a few of the fans just to get in, stick, get into you, let you know that you, they're watching you during the warm-up. Those sort of things can play on the minds of away teams. You take away a lot of that. I always find reserve games just the most hollow, bizarre exercises because very rarely were they competitive in the way that you needed them to be as a professional. But also, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it played on this kind of like, well... If we win, we win. We lose, we lose. It does. It, it, there wasn't the same pressure on it, so it meant that you could actually play with a lot more freedom as an away player. And um, I don't know if that's coming into, but I find those numbers absolutely startling. But it's like, but it's like this what podcast, think, Martin. Martin. It's like this podcast. You know, when we go to the studio, the pressure's on. Now I'm at home. I've got my surroundings around me that I understand and know, and I'm much better. I'm much more confident. This is true. This is true. I mean, you know, we we look forward to. A, you know, a stronger output from you during this next half hour than normal. Then, but um, I don't want to. When are we recording? But <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so the, yeah, but this is the thing. So, what what has been the feedback? Because that have you had to map that towards Premier League matches and, and kind of re re look at how you value matches or the home or away advantage? Well, what's happened is that people have looked at those Bundesliga results and have started to back the away teams in the Premier League blind. So they've just been putting them into accumulators and just thinking that it yeah. will kick off with, um, you know, away wins or certainly more away wins than, than usual. So they've just looked at the first group of games and started to, to uh, accumulate up all of those away teams. But one of them tomorrow night is obviously Arsenal. Now, they were as big as 9-1 to one when these prices came out for the game against Manchester City. They've been backed into seven to one. It's still a big price and it's still quite an unlikely occurrence. But that just goes to show you that the effect that those sample size and results, and it's only sort of five weeks worth from the Bundesliga, are having on these Premier League prices. And obviously, Arsenal, you would say, have got a little bit more to play for in the sense that City have obviously thought that they can't catch Liverpool. That would be an absolute miracle. And they are assured of that top four spot even if, um, obviously, their their court case doesn't go their way. So, Arsenal have certainly got more to play for in, in this sense, I would say. And 7-1 yeah. to one does probably start to look a big price if you see what's happened in the Bundesliga. Villa against Sheffield United tomorrow. Sheffield United, the away team, are favourites. They would have been favourites anyway, 
even if this hadn't have happened, but they're six to five. If someone had told you that at the start of the season, which seems a very, very, very long time ago, oh, yeah. uh, you, would have thought, you would have thought they were mad. But um, the, the, the other interesting point is that we took a decision this year at Betway to pay out on Liverpool to win the title on November the 24th. Now, that's something like 205 <laughs> days since wow. we paid out, and they still haven't lifted the trophy yet. So those, <laughs> those punters got their money very, very early indeed. And, you know, there's nobody could have could have actually uh, looked into a crystal, crystal ball and said that this was going to happen. No, of course not. Alan, um, taking off your professional... Uh, hat and putting on your fan hat as an Arsenal fan how are you feeling about the return of the Premier League tomorrow away at Man City I'm quite I'm quite nervous for Mikel Arteta because um, again I refer back to the Bundesliga something you've seen there is that a lot of the quotes after the games coaches have said that they had time to go back and work with their work with their teams and um Although, obviously, some training sessions were missed or, or, or had to be non-contact. It's like having a mini pre-season halfway through the season. And some some managers have fared well. Some, um, and obviously a bit close to home, David Wagner, who, who was at Huddersfield, is at Schalke at the moment. They've only got two points from a possible 18 since the return. And, and he was the one that was saying that he would turn things around because he's had time to work with his side. Now... Someone like Mikel Arteta, he took over during the season. So he had to get up and running straight away. This should be a godsend for him because he says he's got the ideas. He isn't that confident about the squad, in my view, but it's still a top 10 squad. So I think the first four games that Arsenal play, the fact that they're all away games is going to be a factor. But he needs to produce at least two very good performances in those four games to yeah. prove that that time with the players has actually been put to good use. And if it hasn't, there might be doubts that start to creep in. And I know that sounds mad, but you've just got such a high expectation level at the moment at Arsenal. And um, I just feel that that might start to get at him. And uh, I want to see I want to see some ideas. I don't expect to win against City. I want to see some some new ideas. I want to see the team yeah. playing with um, certainly more solid defensively. But I don't know if anyone, I don't know if either of you saw the, the highlights of the Brentford game. You know, messing around when two went up against Brentford and losing three two. That isn't showing the best light for for what work he's done during the uh, the lockdown. No, that's right. Essentially, it's been a, a long pre-season, hasn't it? And it would. It'll all depend on how they've managed to look after themselves personally when they've not been with the club and then how much intensive training they've been able to do since going back. But with nothing happening on the pitch for the last few months, obviously all the attention shifts onto transfer rumours and contract negotiations, all that sort of stuff. How much of a distraction will the Aubameyang contract uh, situation, how much How much will that distract the players at the moment? Or, or will it? Will it not at all? I don't know. Um, I just think that there's... This attitude now at Arsenal that they are that kind of selling club. And once that spreads throughout the players, you get into a situation where the players feel that they get they just get a perception of the size of the club. And obviously it happened just after Arsenal moved to the Emirates with the sales of uh, um, uh, Fabregas and uh, Van Persie and players like that, Ashley Cole. 
So, so now you've got a sense that they're not quite in that top tier. And if Aubameyang goes, that sends a message to the other players. So um, I was talking on the Arsenal podcast last night, and I believe that it still might be worth Arsenal just having to risk running down his contract next season just so they have uh, what you would call a top-quality player there. But in the same respect, I wouldn't say he's irreplaceable. He's had, he's had a decent little run um, from about Boxing Day onwards. I think he's only failed to score in about three or four games since Boxing Day. He had that, that ban for the sending off at Crystal Palace. But overall, I don't find him as an irre- irreplaceable player. And there aren't many of those within the squad, perhaps none within the squad at Arsenal. And that, that tells its own story at the moment. Well, they've got an opportunity to make themselves those players, don't they? I, you, I find it interesting. You talk about the Brentford. It couldn't have been more a pre-season performance. Off the back of Charlton, because Charlton was the first time we saw those highlights on Sky Sports News, and the quality of the finishes, it just looked like, oh, here we go. Arsenal are at it. You know, they look quality. Um, the, and then, obviously, the Brentford, this like um, complacency, or just that this is a part of training, blah, blah, blah. Um, it just it reeked a pre-season, didn't it? It really did. And, you know, you saw some of the Charlton players as those goals were going in in that game. And, you know, it did look like it did look like a training session where a team, you know, the Bibs team had uh, a four down and they don't try towards the end and another couple of goals go in. <laughs> um, that's exactly what it looked like. And and then you've got the, the, the complete opposite that they somehow got some kind of weird confidence back to knock it around at the back against the Brentford side that are obviously, um, you know, a whole division below. And and then they came unstuck. That reality check is probably better off happening at the Emirates against Brentford in a game that doesn't matter than in a game at the Etihad where we could get six or seven foot passes. So uh, what about Man City then? Um, Are they just going to... What are they going to do the rest of the season? They're not going to win the league, obviously. They're pretty much guaranteed top four. Is now finally a chance to see the likes of Phil Foden get some serious minutes? Or are they just going to continue as they have been and try and uh, get some sort of form- formula for next season? I think this is really dependent on whether Pep Guardiola sees his future at the Etihad. I know that he, I know that he said that he does and he's not made any noises to, to the contrary, but... If he was looking at long-term development, as you say, Mark, this is the ideal time to start spreading those players through the squad. Um, I was actually just looking at the team news yesterday and they've they've got a fully fit squad and it is quite frightening that the the second 11 they can field would probably finish about ninth, eighth or ninth in the Premier League. Just ahead of Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. I think think that that... Stop baiting him, Mark. Just because you're not within arm's <laughs> reach of him right. doesn't mean you can insult the guests. <laughs> but I just, I just feel that if he's not going to do it, then that might give a clue as to whether or not he sees the long-term future there. Um, because again, you know, bedding in youngsters is is that kind of future planning. Well, that's fair enough. I uh, let's let's move off that and more into the other shout for the top four. Sheffield United, uh, we touched on earlier. The fact that they're favourites in games that, uh, that you would just go, uh, have they got that right? Um, it's brilliant to see, isn't it? And I almost think that the fatigue, the fatigue that you see from these sort of teams that, oh, it's a physical battle, it's what they're fresh as a daisy now, and every every single player is motivated not just to stay in the Premier League because that's obviously that ships where well, they've, they've taken care of that. It's more a case of 
could we make the top four? Can they make Europe? Which would just be sensational, wouldn't it? How's that? How's that reflected in in um, in what you've seen? Well, um, my son's always going on at me to to go to Arsenal away games, and uh, you know, obviously that I work a bit, a bit of West Ham as well with my link through Betway. So usually we get you know a decent spread of Premier League games, you know, a couple of week and whichever team's at home. But he was insistent that we go to an away game this season. And the Sheffield United game was put on a Monday in the half-term uh, autumn, just before uh, Christmas. And I thought, you know what, we'll go up, we'll see the sights of York and a few other Yorkshire places, take him around there, a bit of educational stuff, get tickets for this game, and hopefully look for a, an amazing Arsenal performance. We got absolutely battered that night, absolutely <laughs> battered. And, um, you know, it did show exactly what a good job Chris Wilder's done. Now, um, Martin, I don't know how many times you came across him in, in non-league, but I had the pleasure of uh, working with him when uh, Oxford United were making a very slow way from the, from the Blue Square Premier yes. Conference yes. back into the League Two. And he was the man that eventually achieved that. And it was really insightful to be just invited into his his manager's office and chat to him about tactics and different things like that and and just before they came into the division this season um one of one of a rare shout that I got right was to say look out for them because the work that they do even from something as as you know boring as a throw they have a plan for every single thing that happens on a football pitch and he makes sure that they know exactly what happened. If you Google some of their goals from uh, on YouTube from, from League One and, and uh, the Championship as they were coming up, look at some of the free kicks they worked out. Look at some of the, the amazing plans. They they had defences looking around like, uh, you know, Trigger in Only Fools and Horses. Because <laughs> it, it was incredible, you know, some of these free kicks they pulled off. So, look, that, that shows me that he's such a good manager that they're definitely performing... Um, you know, much better than the sum of their parts. And look, it just illustrates it. There are nine games of a Premier League season to go, 10 for Arsenal, nine for Sheffield United, and Sheffield United are a shorter price to finish in the top four than Arsenal. Again, another one of those things that if someone said to you at the start of the season, with nine games to go, Sheffield United will be a shorter price to finish in the top four than Arsenal, you'd have said they were mad. But that goes to show exactly what they've done. Yeah, absolutely. And I know from playing against his teams, um, myself and Mark had Gregor, you know, Gregor Robertson as well. Gregor used to play for him in Northampton and just hearing how he operates, but almost how I think you take that mentality into the Premier League and if you can get the players to buy in and have a different perspective on things and a different way of working, it, it can really pay dividends if if, um, if, everything, if everything's going 100%. Well, we'll see how how well they do in the coming seasons. But, you know, it's always a pleasure to watch a team do that well. Listen, at this moment in time, let's take a break and come back and have a chat about some of the players that have come back from injury that are going to feature in these last games. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct... Something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. 
from dope 250 watt city bikes to Harley Bobber inspired 750 watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. All right, welcome back uh, to the second half. We touched briefly on... Uh, just the, the the ups and downs from a from potential teams that could creep into the top four. Let's look at some of the players now. Um, we've got some tasty fixtures, haven't we, Mark? To come back to, we have. You know what? I'm looking at the fixture list now, and it's only really sort of becoming real to me that football is actually back. And there's just so many games. It's, it's going to be like a sort of seven week tournament, like an yeah. international tournament of games all day, every day, for a long time. And I'm I'm honestly getting really excited about it now. And yeah, we have got some uh, good games coming up. And like you say, some big players coming back. Um, I mean, Harry Kane's back for a start, isn't he? Is he, is he training fully now? Thanks. Well, yeah. I believe so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I believe he's back. He'll be back soon, at least. Um, we've got Marcus Rashford, who looks yeah. like he's definitely back. Uh, and Paul Pogba, another United player, who looks like he could be featuring away at Spurs on Friday. Uh I think for the first time in a long time, it feels like all the stars of the league are, are going to be playing. Yeah, I'm, I, I cannot wait for it. I know it sounds like I'm a schoolboy or it's Christmas Eve or something, but that's what it feels like at the minute. I cannot wait to see them all back. Can't wait to see them all playing properly, and I can't wait until my wife loses her mind at four kickoff times on a Saturday. That's wonderful, isn't it? I mean, literally, you just have to sit in the same seat that you're sat in now all day, Mark, but only you'll have something to watch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, let's talk about the Spurs United game. Um, this was a game probably before the lockdown that there was momentum for Man United, wasn't there? They'd, they'd had a, a good sort of 10 or 12 games in a row. They'd beaten Man City quite comfortably, surprisingly, at Old Trafford. And this would have been a game that have had their eye on and really fancied it. Uh, the opposite, really, for Tottenham. They, they had felt the full effect of Jose. Um, and they seemed to be playing with their tails between their legs a little bit. Gone out of Europe. Um... But now with this, you know, two month, was it two month, three month break, whatever it is, they it feels like an even playing field now. It feels like we're starting again. Everything's fresh. Will there be any benefit to having a good run before the lockdown, Martin? As an ex-player, you, you must know this. Or does it well, just start from scratch again? Do you know that I, I love? Normally, when you start from scratch in a preseason, there's nothing. There's no loaded anything. So you, teams can be favourites, but it means it's irrelevant until you played five, six, seven games. But the, te- the, the the marker being 10 games. And now the 10 games we have are literally set up like almost like a U.S. sports in- system where we're like, in a, these are playoff. That Every game is massive yeah. for the top and the bottom. And it's just, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see how it pans out. I, I, I'll bring you in here, Al, because, uh, uh, you know, looking at it from that perspective, obviously we, we spoke a little bit about Spurs, which you might have a blind spot on. But uh, but what, <laughs> what do you think the thinking and... and with everyone back even, as you, as you spoke about Man City, how do you think that's going to affect things? Um, you look at Tottenham's form. Now, obviously, a large part of this would have been lockdown, but their last win in any competition was the 16th of February. That's exactly 16th of June today. That's exactly four months ago. <laughs> so, obviously, a lot of that um, includes the, the, the lockdown period. But... 
they they played some pretty poor games around that time. I went to the Tottenham Norwich game in the FA Cup where Norwich eventually won on penalties, but they were they were probably good for uh, a win in ninety minutes in that in that particular game. And Tottenham were a little bit lucky to to peg them back for it to go to penalties. And um, their very last game before before uh, lockdown was was that that game away at RB Leipzig where they lost three nil. Um, The thing is, they hadn't been scoring goals in games, and that was a lot to do with missing Harry Kane. Uh, I know that he should be back. So I think the the odds are certainly in Tottenham's favour. They would have probably been about uh, five to two, maybe two to one, if this game would have been played when scheduled. And they're still outsiders, even though they're the home team. They're nine to five. United, seven to five. It just looks to me like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has managed to almost create an atmosphere that belies where they actually are in the table just by doing a few clever things. And yeah, I agree. Winning, winning the derby is, is huge because it gets the fans on side and he just tends to be able to just pull one of those out every now and again just to keep it ticking over. And if he yeah. can get it all to click, I think that, you know, they could be the team that, that really have a, a, a really good late-season rally and, and, and doing yeah. incredibly well. Well, I think with Solskjaer, it seems to be that his record with United uh, against the top six, top seven sides is actually very good. It just seems to have been the, the, the rest of the division that he struggled with. And I think now they've got the likes of Bruno Fernandes, who, all right, I know he's only one player, I know he's only been there a couple of months, but he seems to be someone who can unlock a defence, and certainly a defence that defends deep with this low block. And as most of the teams in the league who play United play with that low block, that's exactly what they needed, isn't it? So if they've worked that out, if they've worked out how to play those teams and their record against the top six or seven is already very good, logically it should mean that they will be able to challenge, you know, maybe not not next season, but certainly within the next couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you remember, the, the they actually went away to Tranmere um, on that really bad pitch in January. And uh, they, they ended up winning that game 6-0. But they went into that game off the back of a, a 2-0 defeat away at Liverpool, which is no great disgrace. But then they'd actually lost 2-0 at home to Burnley. And a lot of people were saying that that Tranmere game was a potential banana skin, even though obviously yeah, Tranmere yeah. had a couple of divisions below. They won that game 6-0. They've not looked back since. And and, and actually, they, they haven't lost uh, since that Burnley game that I mentioned. So that's nearly five months that they've gone on this uh, this incredible sort of unbeaten streak. And, and yeah, yeah. the fact that some of those games in there, you know, the 2-0 against City, the away game against um, uh, Manchester United, there was even the, the second leg of that, um, of the, of the uh, EFL Cup game, which actually managed to win. I know they were they were heavily beaten in in the first leg, but just all little things like that. And I think that that is just a positive atmosphere going at, at Old Trafford. And if anything, he may well have been cursing the fact that, you know, everything shut down because um, and I know players are back and, and the squad, the, the scene around the squad is a little bit better for them. But if you can just carry that on, as you say, momentum is there. Uh, can I ask a question about... Uh about United on the pitch in the midfield. Now Pogba is back. Do you think, firstly, that he he is a dead cert to get in that team? And secondly, can he play with Bruno Fernandes or is that 
a bit too attacking. I mean, has Pogba got to essentially play the way he did for France and be, you know, be uh, disciplined and sit a bit deeper and let other players play? Or do you think they can find a way of letting Pogba and Fernandez play their natural game? I mean, at certain points during the season, they're actually using Matic as that defensive midfielder. Yeah. Um, I think he needs someone with him if he's going to be playing so that far deep. Because I mean, you look at the you look at the options. I mean, Juan Mata hasn't really got much of a look in. Um, and I, I think they've had Fred on the wing. McTominay's been there as well. Um, is he that disciplined to do that? I don't think he is. I've seen them go behind, even when he's been given that kind of role, and he hasn't done it for Manchester United. He no. hasn't stayed there. He's wanted to gallop forward. He's wanted to. He's wanted to impose himself on the game because he's thinking yeah. at that point, you know, I'm the big player. I'm but, one of our best players. Why am I? But I wouldn't suggest he was playing as a as a holding defensive man. I think they'll start to play a holding midfielder alongside him and Fernandez. But I just mean he won't be able to maraud and do whatever he wants. He could play Fernandez as your ten. Pogba could play as an eight, essentially a box to box, and then have a defensive player alongside him. Or I mean, it might just be that that ship has sailed and that he's actually not going to be there that long. I'd be I'd be interested. I just from. <sighs> I, I I equate it sometimes to the you know the Man City team when Yaya Torre was imperious and it was just like yes. hey, he's the focal point and it's like the guy could have played any position doing it but if you give him the ball but he would always come unstuck against the very he was a flat, a bit of a flat track bully and I feel stupid saying that because he's one of the best players to have graced the Premier League but I mean like when he came up against Barcelona or when he came up against even Ajax they, they'd pass it round him they'd find a way around yeah. him and I sometimes find that Pogba's and it's not a lack of discipline. It's just his ability to impose himself on a game means that he does find himself at a position sometimes. And I think that's a vulnerability yeah, yeah. that Man United can't afford because they haven't got good enough players behind him. You know, so um, I think that's something that they need to work out. But also, you're totally right, Fernandez. He's uh, for the first time. I feel like they've bought a player that is in the ascendancy. It's like not like they bought not like buying Di Maria when. Well, he's done some great work. Is he still as good as he was at Real Madrid? Or they bought a player mm. that they can build a team around. So, do you decide? Well, that, to... Wasn't that wasn't wasn't that Pogba though as well? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But don't you think Pogba's Pogba's life cycle is just like fucking? He just rattles through it. It's like the guy the guy's been loved, hated, loved, hated, uh, United yeah. so many times. I just feel like. Do you put your eggs in that basket? I mean, it's the same question of do you bring Alexis back? I mean, of course you don't. I mean, the guys. There's those situations where you look at players that have been that that you would never you would never go through that again. But at the same time, I just think I think Pogba's in a in a weird zone because Pogba will go somewhere next and be incredible, won't he? That's that's the sad. Well, no, no one no one doubts his ability. It's it's not about that. It's about can he do it consistently? Because he could be the best player in the world, but if you're only showing that every four I mean, or five games, then what's the point? Even, even during this unbeaten run, United have changed their, their system so many times. And you just you yeah. just wonder what what's the best system to accommodate him. Four five one with him being one of the one of the you know middle three and not uh, as you say, not the furthest back and not the furthest forward, somewhere just completely in the middle. whether he has the discipline to do that as well, I'm not I'm not quite sure. And they don't really have the, the, the forward options. Um, at United and that that I mean Martial um, I know Rashford is 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 back 
as well. But and let's talk about Rashford in a second as well, because I think he uh, he warrants some airtime. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But um, you know, Martial scored against City again. He's a bit like he's a bit like he's a bit like the the, the team at the moment. He seems to perform well the harder the game. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Um, Martin, talk to me about Marcus Rashford. Talk to me uh, about this because we're, we're recording this on on Wednesday. What day is yeah. it? Tuesday. It's Tuesday night. We're recording this. Uh, the news has broken in the last few hours that that uh, Rashford's had this uh, this piece of legislation pushed through. Uh, is is this the most impressive thing you've seen from uh, a young athlete in whatever? Listen, I during the lockdown I watched Cooking Carbonara with Kevin De Bruyne. And that was impressive. Okay, it's the second best then, second best. This is the, yeah. I cannot get over. I just, just from, he just dragged it up by himself, did this whole thing that, that there was something close to his heart. There's something that he went through. And then I was in this position where I just kind of, I get dragged into on social media as we all do. But you be careful what you post and because you just don't want to get too emotional about it. But you're like, how can this not be the easiest win ever for the government? Just understand they're asking more of footballers and he delivered that. But also, the, you know, look at the guy. The guy's like kind of a young, really young professional. The guy's putting his life and soul into it and all of his kind of support. So I've been nothing but impressed. What did you think of it? Who are you talking to? You. Mark. Um, Mark. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 I can't disagree with anything you just said, Martin, for the first time ever. Um, I think he is... Um, I mean... I just can't get my head around the fact that he is uh, 22. He has not that much experience outside of his family and the football club, it sounds like. And yet he has achieved something that is more than 99% of the world will ever do. And yet that isn't even his main talent. His main talent is being absolutely phenomenal at football. It's just... You know, he didn't have to do any of this. He he could have picked up his his paycheck every, every month kept his head down and, and got on with it. And actually what he did was he did something brave and that is something that we're seeing more and more of with this generation of footballers. And it makes you, given what happened last weekend with the the, the riots and the far right rioting around London and football fans and the football industry gets a lot of shit for that, right? We always get lumped in yeah. with that, all these hooligans. And so it's it's great to see within a week, you can be proud again to say, I'm involved in football. I'm a football supporter, and this this is the person that that for me uh, encapsulates football. Not those guys, this guy, and it's been a it's been a really it's been a great day, I think, uh, in that regard. Absolutely, Al. Al what's uh, what was your thoughts on it? Uh, I agree with everything you've both said, and to me, without overstating it, I really do think that this this could go down in history, and I think it is a historical marker that he's managed to get this campaign over the line. And and also, when you talk about the negativity towards football, yeah, it did happen at the weekend where where people that were, you know, doing those things in in the West End were were classed as football fans. This has happened before. This has definitely happened before with, you know, things that aren't as important. Even if there's trouble at horse racing, people always get described as football fans (laughs) and not horse racing. When when they're, you know, having fights and and riots there. So uh, people are always looking to attach a negative to to football, uh, sorry, yeah, to football and, and fans. But this this is such a big thing, and and it actually is a call to all other players that they can change things. And we've got Hector Bellerin at Arsenal, and he does exactly the same kind of things, and he's certainly yeah, yeah. of the same persuasion. 
And I really do think that this could be a call for other players to, to start with that activism in, 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 in bigger ways. Raheem Sterling as well. But there's, there's a few lads in this, uh, this generation that are doing it. And I think it, it bodes really well for the sport. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree there. I um listen, I uh, where where's this week taking you? Are you going to be are you going to be covering any games closely or is it just a case of you working virtually still? Well, I tried to convince West Ham that it was important that the, the sponsors did get to go to uh, the games. Uh we're not essential, I'm afraid. So, uh I'll be watching from home, but uh yeah, we've been in close contact with them. We we managed to get a nice mock up of the uh, the new lettering on the back, the, the Black Lives Matter instead of the, the names on the back. So I managed to get a, a sneak preview oh, nice. of that. that. That looks great. And uh, the patches and the NHS patches as well. So, um, yeah, I'll be looking forward to, well, hoping that Arsenal can at least not disgrace themselves tomorrow. And then and then West Ham getting back on track at the weekend because, um, you know, they are, I know we didn't talk about relegation, but they are, in danger and um, you know they're fourth favourites to go down and three go down so that suggests that you know the three below them in the market should go down but they're very very close Listen uh, really appreciate you coming and joining us tonight uh, I, I had lots of value as always hopefully we'll get to speak to you again Thanks. soon now. Thank Cheers, you guys. Mark uh, Cheers, good to speak to you good to have you back on board will we see you again will the fans be able to to, to hear dulcet tones uh, on the whistleblower. Well, I hope so. I hope so. I think I'm on now at the end of the season. So, um, yeah, you stuck with me again, Grits, I'm afraid. Yeah, I love so you. That's quite nice. Though, so I don't get your face either. I can just hear your uh, Scottish voice. I know. It's great. I don't feel as bullied this far away from you as well. So uh, that That's up. And thanks, as ever, to uh, our producer, Leon, who is probably delighted to be able to do this uh, without having to look at any of us, which is great. Um, uh, thanks very much for listening that was the whistleblowers Uh, see you next week wasn't that a great podcast now if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day come and listen to ours it's called what has he said now and is available wherever you got this podcast you're going to lose a number of people to the flu this is a playback media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.